This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Jim, how you doing? Cameron, I'm well. Welcome back. Thank you. You missed Terrific Tuesday, but it was actually a Monday, but now it's Wednesday, so it's good to have you back. Well, I can't subject myself to that kind of Tuesday. Because if no. it takes the place of a Monday, it's not as terrific as it was. No, no. You can't you know hide I mean? that. You no. can't You can't pull the Terrific Tuesday curtains over the Monday and go, this is Tuesday. It won't work. We're going to talk some relocation sports economists from Concordia University. I was setting this up last week. Uh, and then uh, and then he said, hey, I'm in town. Why don't you pop me into the studio on Wednesday? And I said, yeah, let's do that. Uh, Moishe Lander, he's a, he's a top sports economist with Concordia University out in Montreal. He's going to be joining us in studio at 1230. Uh, talk to Coyotes, Quebec City. Why? Why not? Uh, we'll get a little bit deeper uh, into that discussion. Of course, Derek Taylor, we're going to bring him on in just a moment. He's down at Bomber practice. Uh, but we've got to lead off things with uh, Jamie Benn. We'll have a hearing today uh, for cross-checking Vegas captain Mark Stone in the 4-0 loss uh, yesterday for the Stars and the Golden Knights taking a 4-0 series lead in that one. Uh, The the game just got out of control. Fans at American Airlines Center began throwing water bottles, food onto the ice. The team uh, released... um, released something uh, saying specifically apologizing uh, to the Golden Knights and, and, and to the league and everybody uh, for the situation that unfolded yesterday. Um, but Jamie Benn um, uh, spoke just, he, he, he declined to speak after the game. Uh, which is garbage. Which is garbage. Yeah, absolutely. And then today uh, he, come, he came out, quote, around 1130, and he said this, uh, quote, obviously didn't want to take a five-minute penalty but when the game happens fast, emotions are high. Obviously, I would have liked to not fall on him and I guess use my stick as the landing point. And it's difficult, in that, end quote. It's difficult for me to go through that entire quote because anybody, and please text the show 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. If you haven't seen the clip, then go search it out because there is absolutely no, it is completely unbelievable, Jim, that... That that's his story. I mean, it. He did it in absolute anger. He was frustrated. It was two minutes into the game. It's ridiculous. He has a game misconduct. He's probably going to get suspended again. He's probably going to face a suspension at least one game um, with the hearing and all and all that. But like to then say, I I, I would have liked to not fall on him and use my stick as the landing point. Yeah, yeah. I I just don't buy that. It's look. I really like Jamie Ben as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's fantastic. I'm so glad he's had this resurgent, but he's had a temper throughout his career. He's taken some payback penalties that Mark Stone had obviously gotten to him. I don't buy anything he just said, and I think it's even more garbage that the organization did not, even when he did not want to speak to the media, didn't force him to last night. This day and age that we live in, where if Jamie Benn has four goals and an assist last night and we get to talk to him first as the first star of the game, and the fact that he does something like this and we don't have to talk to them. And we went through this with the Jets when, you know, star players Mark Scheifele, Kyle Connor get benched and they don't speak to the media. It's it's not a two-way street. It's a one-way street where you have a responsibility to your fans and the media to speak and in the good times and the bad. 
So he spoke today, which I think the organization, and if I was the organization who apologized on behalf of the fans who were throwing garbage on the ice and, and throwing popcorn at Aiden Hill, the goalie, um, I think I would apologize for not having Jamie Benn available as well. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this world we live in now where a guy does something like that. The captain of the team, if he doesn't take that penalty, lose 5 nothing. who's speaking? Jamie Benn speaking. Yeah. Why'd you lose 5 nothing? It's ridiculous to me that we live in this, but we this is where we are, and he spoke today. He's going to say what he said because he's got a hearing coming up, and I believe he's played his last game this season for the Dallas Stars. I don't think he's going to – I think he's going to get a game or two suspension. Yeah. And I think this series is going to be over by the time he can get back into it. Uh, you know, looking back on the – and we'll bring Derek in here right now, but looking back on the on the penalty um, – uh, you know, Jamie Ben obviously has, a, has, a, has more of a history uh, than Petrangelo did for his, like, outright slash – um, on Leon Dreisaitl in the previous series. I, I, I think this will probably be a one-game suspension. That's just based on how things have gone um, so far. Anyways, uh, Derek uh, Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, down at Bomber Camp. Uh, uh, Bomber Camp reports brought to you by Stars or Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Hello, Derek. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm better than Jamie Ben's excuse, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty lame. Yeah. It's pretty lame. Yeah, I, I I just imagine like events in the CFL last year, like the writer Duke Williams apologizes for his helmet striking another player. It was the helmet's fault, he said. I didn't mean yeah, just <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. Total malarkey. I the the spit left my mouth and it, and it, I didn't uh, yeah, it, the wind took it into a player's face. I was yeah, just players are some players are just outstanding with their gaps in logic let's say that yeah obviously i wouldn't have liked to fall on him and use my stick as the landing point uh so how's camp going day 10 derek i mean you're starting to get a feel of things down there at camp i think yeah i think so we're we're a few days away from the first preseason game in edmonton so some things are kind of shaking themselves out you look at oh okay well the third day in a row where we're down to just two kickers kicking in camp here and oh there's a guy in a cast and now a defensive lineman has flipped over and is playing fullback so we're, we're seeing some things shake out still a lot of uh, an unfortunate number of, uh, of injuries and guys not able to participate uh, but I mean that's that's football football's a, a rough sport and a rough life it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. I'm looking. So, I was saying, usually you have a question after I, I, I have a question. I was uh, going to see if it was my turn. Yeah, so that's is. what happens when you're away. I'm like, is it my turn? Is it not? Where <laughs> that's am that's I? How we do it. Yeah. Where are my pants? Um, so along those lines, uh, Derek, what injury, if any, are you most concerned with? Because I know you're not getting much in the form of length or what they are or anything like that. But is there anything that stands out that you're concerned with, or is this just a, an abundance of nicks that come up during training camp in your mind? Well, the one I'm most concerned about, it's always going to be Jackson Jeffcoat, right? Uh, right. Jeffcoat mm-hmm. had, a, had a couple of days of camp here, but has been on the sidelines ever since. Uh, he's a guy who, in each of the last four seasons, has played exactly 12 games. And when he plays, uh, you know, you guys know I, I chart all this stuff and I watch all this yeah. stuff. Jackson Jeffcoat, on a per-game basis, produces more quarterback pressure than any player in the Canadian Football League. Any player, any bomber, any any player league-wide, he is an absolute force off that edge. But they get him for, you know, it's been 12 games a year for the last four games, for the last four seasons, excuse me. And to see that and go, ah, I mean, he's not old, but he's not getting any younger, and he's nicked again with whatever this is. It, it just, it, I mean, it kind of hurts my heart. And then you, then you go, mm-hmm. oh, even from a, from a standpoint of who's going to replace him in this bomber's lineup, 
they're not overloaded with options at defensive end that have certainly none that have experience or that we're, we're convinced can get to the quarterback. You'd have Dewan Cooper, who was a special teamer for part of last year, but didn't get any pass rush snaps until very, very late in the season. Anthony Bennett, first-round pick out of Regina. This, obviously, he's a rookie. So it's, that's the one I think that stings the most because, of, I mean, Jackson can be the best defensive player in the league at his peak, but is he able to be at his peak for, for very long? Yeah, that's the problem. I remember, I remember talking about Jackson Jeffcoat. I mean, you just spoke so, I mean, eloquently about him that one time. I remember us, the two of us having a conversation about it. It's like, I guess that's just sort of the expectation. I mean, do you head into the season as the Bombers and think, man, if we can get twelve or fourteen games from Jackson this year, uh, I mean, th- that's going to be that's going to be worth the price tag. Oh, I, I, I absolutely think so. You just it just forces you to be ready for the games that he's not going to play. Right, mm-hmm. like last year there were games where it would be Jeff Coates, Cooper and, and Willie Jefferson on the depth chart. And since they weren't letting Cooper rush the passer, that, that means he really only had two pass rushers. So you had to take Casey sales, the defensive tackle and bump him outside for some reps, because as much as Willie's an incredible player and is in amazing shape, you need some snaps off during a game because it gets to be a lot, right? So it just comes to this and you go, okay, well in camp, Oh, we just lost Eric. He's uh, the line cut out there. Um, Bomber training camp reports are brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. We can bring him back here for just uh, another two or three minutes here. uh, We we should have paid for the longer connection. (laughs) I think we're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a long-distance call. I wanted to ask him about the weather because – this is unusual for this time of the year and uh, also what it's like for some of the players who have never experienced Winnipeg, right? Like yeah. that's the, what, so that's some of my best storylines of a CFL season is when you get some guys up here, who haven't even seen snow and then they go through what they go through in October. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, still trying to connect with, still trying to connect with Derek on the other side. Maybe there's an issue with, with the connection. Yeah. I, yeah, unfortunately, you know what we'll get, well, Derek will be back on the show tomorrow and we'll bring him back. It just seems like the line just cut out. It went dead. I looked over, and it just went absolutely disappeared. But, we'll, we'll, of course, Derek will be back on tomorrow. He's going to be on the the uh, the, the 680 CGOB Sports Show with Christian O'Mal later tonight after 7 o'clock, and they'll, they'll, all this stuff. And, and also, of course, follow Derek on, on Twitter at DT on, on OB. What if Jeffcoat just absolutely hammered him and said, I feel fine. <laughs> this is how good I am. It's a high possibility. <laughs> this yeah. is, I'll be fine come regular season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so lots to get to. Um, um, uh, back to Jamie Ben. We'll get to some text messages here from 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 people here. Uh, yeah, Derek just texted me. Call yeah, just dropped. Yeah. Call just dropped. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. DT, we'll revisit with you tomorrow. Yeah. Um, this text, <laughs> Jamie Ben. Okay, here we go. Kyle says Jamie Ben has been doing this his entire career. He's a garbage human being. Uh, are you kidding me? How about a little contrition? These players expect that from the refs and the league. Uh, that from Bryn. Rudy says Ben should be kicked out of the game. Big fines. Linda says, what about Domi? Well, Domi got, that came down today. You got a fine. He got a fine for $5,000 for slashing stone. Um, uh, this one, what Jamie Ben said post game reminds me a lot of Shifley's hit on Evans. Lack of accountability and can't own up to it. I hate when players can't admit when they did something wrong. Terry says, Mr. Ben certainly is uh, not so-called gentle Ben. Give him four-game suspension. That's not going to happen. Uh, just like they did to 55. Uh, this cross-check hit is worse 
and what the Jets did, and Mr. Ben is the captain. Uh, then it goes, just, on to, goes on to swear in Quebecois. The big one starts with a T. Uh, Dallas is golfing anyways. And uh, and you wanted to say something real quick? Well, I just, I don't, like, as a captain of your team, and two minutes into the game, I, I, I don't think it's st- overstating it that you cost your team the game, and now, in the game that you had to win, most likely the series. You're already down one nothing. I just, Jim. you and I were You're discussing. You're already down one nothing. you got to kill a five-minute penalty. At the start of the game. You're down like, so 3 nothing. The game hasn't even started. So this isn't like a hook or a slash and, oh, two minutes in and we might go down one nothing. You've missed thing on the planet in a game and cost his team. And we always go, what about the elbow he took on the second shift of the game? Yeah, Stone Stick got up and hit yeah, him in the a- face. They missed a two-minute call. There, we talked about it. What about the driving a guy's neck into the ice after you take him down and getting yourself kicked out of the game? Why don't we go back and talk about that now that we've talked about the stick in the face? Exactly. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Stop distracting from these incidents. Well, I, I, it drives me nuts. 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Uh, we're going to talk expansion sports economist uh, Moishe Lander. He's a real top guy into this sort of thing. He's going to be joining us in studio. Asking, what about the Coyotes? Can they survive this latest hurdle? Well, they, of they're course certainly they can. Getting, yes, they can. You can't kill a Coyote. You can't. You can't. Atlanta, Houston, Salt Lake City, Quebec City. Oh, Quebec. Coyotes don't survive in Quebec. Only no, in the no. desert. No, the only cold. place the Coyotes can survive is in Arizona. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. NHL expansion, relocation, who's in, who's out, where are some places that some teams could land? I mean, the, the Coyotes have been dead uh, dead to rights for uh, years and years now, uh, and they've always found a way to, to come back. Um, oh, we're just, our, our guest here, uh, is it, uh, can you hear me? Can you, you can't hear? Okay. You know what? Come and switch, switch seats. You got, you're good? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, perfect. Okay. I got uh, Moishe Lander. He's a sports economist from Concordia University. Can you get us some town? money for headphones? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, joining we us, figured it out. Yeah, joining us here uh, in, in studio. And I, I texted him like last week or something. And I was like, oh, yeah, come on in. This will be great. You're in town here. Um, and and this is this is sort of your expertise. So I guess maybe t- let everybody tell tell us about yourself and and uh, and you know sort of what, what, what why you're interested in this sort of in this sort of thing. Sure. So I'd like to tell people that I'm Canada's preeminent sports economist. Um, I would agree with that actually. I, I would too, but it's unfortunate <laughs> because it's a field of one. So it's yeah. easy to finish in first place when yeah. you're the only one there. Um, you know, I, I love sports. Uh, I, I think that that catches people by surprise where they hear, you know, I'm an economist and they assume then that, okay, I'm going to bring some sort of academic, boring approach to it. But, you know, I'm a fan there like anybody else. And, uh, mm. um, you know, I grew up cheering for the Buffalo Sabres and for the Atlanta Flames. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. In southwestern Ontario, you know, the London Knights are the, you know, the, the local team. Right. And at the time, they were feeding a lot of their, their uh, juniors to Atlanta. So what do I know as a kid? I'm like, yeah. be an Atlanta Flames fan, whatever. And uh, Buffalo was, I guess, the way in, in London, half the, t- the city likes the Leafs, half the city liked the Wings, and I'm like the fan that likes the Sabres and two hours in each direction. Uh, when Atlanta moved to Calgary or when the Flames relocated to Calgary yeah. you know, in London, uh, what's the difference? Fine, I'll cheer for Calgary. Uh, but it became a problem when I moved out to Edmonton uh, at the turn of the century. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm I'm the Flames fan up in Edmonton. Um <laughs> You know, so uh, I, I, I always found sports fascinating. And so the ability to see that there's economics underneath the business decision making here, 
uh, just kind of deepened my love for sports and for economics. Yeah, and, that, and that's why I wanted to bring you in here. And, and specifically, I mean, the big story has been over the last um, over the last week or so. I mean, there the, the, a big of a, a down vote um, in Arizona. The, the the city of Tempe. The voters come out. They don't want to spend all this money on a new rink and the Coyotes. Um, and the Coyotes are basically back to square one. Where are they going to go? How, you know, is there another option in the desert? I mean, what's your sort of overlook on? on the situation surrounding the vote in Tempe that happened as well as maybe perhaps other options that the coyotes could look at in the desert beyond saying, listen, you know, we're, we're, we're packing up and we're going to go somewhere else. Well, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this cause we had texted about this and then yeah. it, it kind of occurred to me too, that of course these are the jets, right? So it's not just any team that we're talking about here. Well, it, 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 it cuts a little deeper right. here. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, to see them being pushed around, I don't know if, if locally you have like a certain sense of schadenfreude, even that like, you know, good riddance then fine. But you know, they were, <laughs> they were never playing in yeah. Phoenix. They were playing in Glendale, which yeah. is a, a Western suburb. And the idea that they were going to move to Tempe is on the Eastern side, right? Closer yeah. to Scottsdale. So they really weren't even playing in Phoenix to begin with. Um, the, the voters said they don't want to put up any money towards uh, an arena. From an economic standpoint, I say good for them. It's mm-hmm. it's a terrible decision when you put public funds into that sort of thing, especially when you have a billionaire owner. So yeah. uh, it was the good decision. The problem is that they were unwelcome in Glendale. They're not welcome in Phoenix. They're now apparently not welcome in Tempe. And the owner is now essentially losing a little bit of his leverage to say, well, if you're not going to put in the money, then I need to consider maybe relocating the franchise. I don't think that what people realize, though, is that they can't just move because the owner feels like it. I guess here in Winnipeg, you can appreciate that, having lost and gotten back a team. But, uh, you know, it has to be something that's approved by the other owners as well. And the other owners are going to say, listen, if you want to relocate, you're going to move to a market that's a prime market that we might eye as expansion or for a future relocation. So we're going to extract some money out of you here in a relocation fee. Because if we put a team in Atlanta, Salt Lake City, Quebec City, whatever, we would charge an expansion fee, hundreds of millions of dollars. So you don't just get to move there without cost. And so Mm. I think there's an element here that he's going to have to play a very difficult game in bluffing that, all right, I'm going to leave. Uh, And will the other owners get behind it and say, all right, uh, we're going to approve this, even if you're willing to put up the the hundreds of millions. And Moshe, that's why I was, when this was coming out again and the referendum happened, I was trying to explain to our listeners, like it it has nothing to do with hockey. It has nothing to do with whether that fan base likes the Coyotes, wants an arena built or anything. It has to do with the size of the market. And the NHL, in my belief, doesn't want to leave that. That's why there's been seven owners. That's why it's still beating to death. Because the idea of going to Quebec City isn't going to improve the national hockey deal with Sportsnet. They're just going to become part of that deal that's already there. But if they could get that state of 7 million people on board and that those rights going higher and higher in bidding, that's how other owners make money off a team they don't own. You're exactly right. And it's also that by dangling Quebec City with a ready-made arena, you get leverage, say, in Calgary, where they've been going for eight years now trying to negotiate a new deal for the Saddle Dome. So if the owners of the Flames can say to the city, you know, if you don't give us money, we're going to go to Quebec City. Right. You need to be able to dangle that market there. Um, Ottawa is about to announce a new ownership group, and the first act is going to be to get a new arena in Ottawa. Well, right. guess what? If you allow the Coyotes to move to Quebec City, 
then all of a sudden, uh, the new SENS owners will lose leverage with the city of Ottawa saying, if you don't put in the money, then we're going to leave. And they're going to say, where are you going to go, Phoenix? I li- <laughs> Maybe. I like to say the original before social media use of trending was the Penguins who tried to get an arena for years and years and years and nothing happened. No vote went their way until Mario Lemieux was happened to be photographed outside the stadium in Kansas City or the place for it. And then all of a sudden within six months or a year, Pittsburgh's approved a new arena. Like, and that was before social media. So this photo just happens to come out in the press that he's in Kansas city talking to somebody outside an arena. And all of a sudden the pressure in Pittsburgh totally shifts. That's kind of what we're talking about right now, even though that was decades ago. And and that's exactly it. I I mean, we can come even closer to to home here, right? Uh, The Purina Dome in St. Louis, (laughs) right, was the home of the Blues. And when they couldn't get their new deal, they were eyeing moving to Saskatchewan, right? Right. Um, So we we see it happen all the time. Hamilton has Cops Coliseum, which is now very old, uh, but that's always been dangled there as a potential landing spot for a franchise, Right. right? So this is exactly the game that the NHL always wants to play, is that you want a market that is there and that you can then use as negotiation. You said Mario Lemieux, uh, I guess as an Albertan or transplanted Albertan, uh, I'm thinking of the Oilers when they couldn't get their downtown arena. Right. Next thing you know, there's a vacation to Seattle and the cameras just happen to be there as well. Yes, yeah. Emergency sessions later and you got $250 million for your arena and deal. In the 90s, I uh, happened to be a photo out of Houston with the owner of the Oilers. And 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 then that, that was part of the issue there too. Um, what are you seeing around the Jets and the viability? They need 3,000 season ticket holders they put out at the start of the playoffs. So what do you see economically around the Jets here in the province? So, you know, the, the Jets' biggest issue, having now been here for a little while and, and gotten to see a little bit of the lay of the land, you know, the arena's in a perfect spot, at least from a 21st century design, right? It's downtown. It's right here on Portage. It, it's great. Except for... <laughs> There's nothing else around. Uh, I was shocked when I came and saw how dead downtown is, especially after like five o'clock, six o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. The idea is that you want the arena to be where the people are so that you can have maybe not the tailgating experience that you get with the bombers, right? But that you'd have the ability that you come downtown, you have dinner, you go to the game, you go to the bar after, and then you go home. What you don't want them doing is schlepping all over uh, out into the suburbs because uh, you know, people don't want 20,000 people descending on their local suburbs. But the, the surprise to me here is there's not really a vibrant downtown here, right? Even during the day, it's a little bit on the dead side. So, you know, I, I don't know that it's an issue of how many season tickets can they get. Uh, I think at the end of the day, if you put a good product on the ice, you know, people will come. Mm-hmm. It's it's the longer term issue of what's the vision for building out the downtown here and to mm-hmm. make it vibrant. I don't necessarily believe in like the the ice district in Edmonton that somehow this is going to become some entertainment center built around the arena. But you, you need something that's going to be, bring people down here. You can't just have uh, office towers at Portage in Maine and say, well, that's enough to feed 18,000 over to the, the arena. And that's a discussion that fills our airwaves yeah. away from the Jets coverage yeah, is totally. how to fix the downtown, how to get people back after the pandemic or during, you know, the height of it and everything else. How healthy is is the sports world? I mean, you, you mentioned the Sen sale. They're going to, that's going to be announced soon. You know, there's been, there's some of those upwards of a billion dollars uh, for one of those four sort of remaining. I mean, the, the Penguins, speaking of the Penguins again, back in 2021, they sold to Fenway Sports uh, uh, for $900 million. I mean, what, what sort of the, what's, what's sort of the landscape in terms of, of sports teams are, I mean, these are very wealthy people with a lot of money that obviously see long-term investment that's going to come back, to, that's going to come back to them. 
and, and that's it. It's the long-term investment, right? Yeah. So I, I think there's a belief here that somehow the owners are, are raking money hand over fist during the regular season. Uh, they don't. Very few teams make money during the year. If they do make money, it's in the playoffs mm-hmm. because you don't have the the salary structure that you have in the regular season. You just pay them a lump sum of money for the playoffs. And the further you go, the more home dates you get. It's basically pure profit at that point. Uh, but of course, many teams like the Jets, you know, don't make the playoffs, don't go far in the playoffs. Yeah. And so um, the, the value comes in by creating those markets that want a team but don't have a team, by creating that there's only 32 billionaires can, that can have a toy to play with, but there's more than 32 billionaires out there, you're creating in economics, we would call it excess demand, right? And so mm. uh, last weekend, two weekends ago, right, Shania Twain is here and there's people outside saying, I want tickets, I want tickets. Well, guess what? If you have a ticket, that pushes up the value of that ticket you're holding. You can either go in and enjoy the concert or you can sell it to somebody on the street and double your money, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same idea here that if I happen to have the golden ticket that I own the sends, well, guess what? There's a lineup of people then they're going to either say, I want to pay top dollar to get that ticket from you, or you get to keep the ticket for yourself and, and you get to see the value go up. So when the transition happens here, the Melnick family who bought the team for under a hundred million are going <laughs> to walk away with over a billion in 20 years. That's a better investment than you're going to get on the NASDAQ. Yeah, that's absolutely 100%. Uh, when it, I, I said that, when I heard it yeah. was a billion, I'm like, every team in the NHL should look at, I don't know anybody who could get a return on any kind of business deal if you can buy something like the Jets did for 172 and have a billion dollars. That's a massive return. And that's why you're seeing, you know, like Snoop Dogg and The Weeknd and now the, <laughs> the Dragon's Den group, like they're all getting involved because when you have that much money, what are your options as Snoop Dogg, right? You're mm-hmm. probably worth close to a billion yourself, right? So wh- where do you invest, right? Uh, you can only invest in so many cannabis shops, I guess, <laughs> if you're him, right? Well, and, and Snoop Dogg's not, like, we make fun of it, but he is one of the shrewdest businessmen as an entertainer that has ever walked the face of the earth. Like, he knows business and how to make money. And that's exactly it then. So he recognizes that, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a sports fan. It's helpful if you are, but mm-hmm. he sees the value that, hey, this is a good investment. And even if I cash out in five years or 20 years, uh, he's going to own what? 2% of the team, but he's going to make some good money there. One last one before we let you go here. Um, uh, expansion and stuff like that. And it talks about Houston and Atlanta, Salt Lake City. If it does come down to it and Arizona does end up moving and, and perhaps it would be a place like Salt Lake City. How... how where, where do you see sort of those those markets go? I mean, Salt Lake City, they would be going to a place where there's only an NBA franchise. I mean, they play at the exact same time during the season, uh, almost identical, uh, but it would be access to a completely different market in, in Utah and that sort of area as well, and, and, and new fan bases. When you go to Houston, you have Dallas, the Dallas Stars, but it, you know, you're still the state of Texas, and Houston is like one of the, top, I think, maybe number five in terms of population, and Atlanta, which is, which is up there well, but two teams have already left. So if, if there is relocation that does happen, I think Quebec City is, is, is out. I mean, maybe you can touch on that too as well. But how do you see sort of things if Arizona does relocate? Yeah, what are the options? So they're, they're not going to go to Quebec City. I, I just don't yeah. see the value in that. Jeff Molson would probably, uh, you know, quash that too because he's now got Quebec all to himself. So why, why sacrifice see, that? I, I say like the people that are screwing the Quebec, Nord- the Quebec Nordiques are the, all the people in Quebec City watching the Montreal Canadiens every single night uh, on, on television and listening to them on radio and 
digesting all the news. Yeah, and and, and Quebec, of course, has a a very different economy uh, than the rest of North America, right? Mm. It's high tax. You've got the French language laws. And so that's the type of thing then that if you're going to have to bring your family uh, and they're going to have to live there eight months of the year, you know, they might not want to put their kids into French schools. And are we going to start to default back to the 1970s mentality that the entire roster of the Montreal Canadiens and the Quebec Nordiques have to be locals? Mm. Uh, That that type of thing doesn't fly in a a 21st century market. So I don't know that they're going to go to Atlanta either. Uh, they failed twice, and I don't think that they can afford to fail a third time. It would just be too humiliating. Um, both, or I guess all of us here at the table, uh, are, are the beneficiaries of Atlanta's failures, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, Houston is definitely a good market. Um, Utah is the surprising one because it, it caught people by surprise when it was floated a, a week ago that, hey, maybe this is a destination. It's directly north of Arizona. And you said that Salt Lake City just has, you know, the the jazz, which themselves are transplants from New Orleans, uh, but they have a billionaire owner. It is a rapidly growing state because you've got all of the Californians that can't afford to live uh, that are moving east. It's in that mountain time zone, so you're not going to have to talk about any sort of uh, you know, redivision of teams or uh, changes to the schedule or things like that. You're merely just moving north. Uh, I think that that's a lot stronger candidate than people might think. Houston would probably be, I guess, my, my number two bet. Yeah, and Houston then, you'd save that for if expansion ever does happen again, that would be a huge ticket. That'd be a big money one. Absolutely, and and you'd also, of course, have to get the, the stars on board there because they're going to lose their monopoly, essentially, of the, the entire state, right? They are the right. Dallas stars, yeah. Not the, the Dallas Texans. I know. It's Moishe Lander. He's a sports economist. He's here in studio with us. He's from Concordia University. Uh, Moishe, thanks so much. And he's really appreciate it. No, this has been awesome. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Nino Niederreiter uh, just made a very, very insightful comment uh, at the World Championships about Winnipeg. I'll tell you what he said after this. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Well, if you've been following the World Hockey Championships out in Finland and Latvia... Um, you know, Switzerland's been doing pretty good. They beat Canada, pretty, their first place in Group good. B. Dylan Sandberg, uh, seven and zero, United States uh, on Sweden. He scored a he had a big goal, an over an OT winner, uh, just recently. Uh, but Nino Niederreiter um, put out these these comments on Winnipeg, and this is from this is from Jets forward Nino Niederreiter. Of course, is still under contract with the team next year, and he said this is he said quote. You have a great fan base, but I also do know it's a tough market over there, Niederreiter said. A lot of free agents don't really want to go there because they don't really know what it's all about. When you go there, you see the hotel and you see the arena. That's all you see. Sometimes, as the visiting team, it's unfair to judge the city. The fan base is fantastic. They care a lot of the players. They take care of the players very well. It's a lot better than a lot of people think. That's from Nito Niederreiter at the World Championships. Rinse, repeat. And then put Kevin Chevel Day off on your title. Yeah. Close the door, pick up the phone, and try and get a free agent to come here. Yeah. He's just, he's telling everybody what we already know here. Once you're here and you've been drafted and you grow up here in the organization, I mean, yeah. or, or come here as a trade or something like Nino, it's easy to re sign guys. Mm-hmm. But what Nino just said, I will argue to the end of my days close the door pick up the phone and try to get a free agent to come here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a player to waive a no trade clause or something like that. It's the Wh- toughest which does market. Happen. It's the toughest market. And it used to be with, tied with Edmonton until a guy named Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl was there. And then it's like, 
I'll go there to play with those guys. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier. Jim told to take you all the way until three o'clock. Thank you very much to Jeffrey Forche for producing the show. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, everybody take care. See you tomorrow. Bye. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.